Whether you're starting a game or starting your day, you need to pick a starting lineup, and you're going to want the starter from Jack Black. Loaded with the superior skincare the pros love, Kings fans can get the starter for just $10, shipping included. Available exclusively at GetJackBlack.com with the code TEAMJB, the starter has four of Jack Black's best-selling skincare and shave products, plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm, SPF 25, in natural mint. Here's to the winning combination for 2022, the LA Kings and the starter from Jack Black. $10 plus free shipping, available at GetJackBlack.com with the code TEAMJB while supplies last. You're listening to an LA Kings podcast. For more episodes of this and every other Kings program, visit LAKings.com slash podcast. Kaliev off the bench, plays it to Roy, one-timer, scores! You're listening to All the Kings Men, the official podcast of the LA Kings. Kopitar picks it up, half a minute to go. Kopitar, bank pass, Kempe follow. empty net yawning, and there's the dash! Now, here's your host, Jesse Cohen. Welcome back, Kings fans. I am Jesse Cohen. This is All the Kings Men. Two regular season games remain on the schedule for your LA Kings. Ordinarily, this episode would have been released Monday morning, but I was hoping that San Jose would do us a huge favor by beating Vegas in regulation. Of course, they did not. As it stands, the magic number for clinching a playoff spot is down to just one for the Kings. Before the season began, we laid out the 10 biggest questions or storylines facing the LA Kings heading into the 2021-22 season. Jim Fox and Nick Nixon joined me way back in October, and they joined me again this weekend to take a look back at how those storylines played out. Before we get to that, though, a quick nod, no pun intended, to this week's King of the Week. It is, of course, Jonathan Quick, who, at 3-0 with a 1.3 goals against average and 940 save percentage, was named third star of the week by the NHL. So congratulations, Jonathan Quick. This week's King of the Week. All right, we are going to take a look back at the top 10 questions we asked at the start of the 2021-22 season to do help me do that. Nick Nixon, how are you doing today, Nick? Great, Jesse. Good to be with you again. And Jim Fox, how are you doing today, Jim? Doing great, guys. Thanks very much. Right, we're going to try and move through these as quickly as possible. We'll start with number 10. It's a pretty simple answer. The question was, will Cal Peterson convincingly claim the starter's role? Jim, at this point, the answer is clearly no, is it not? It is clearly no. Uh, I think there was a moment there. There was a couple of moments. And I know at the beginning of the year, there was a lot of talk about the amount of games that Cal was getting and not getting as many games as he thought he was going to get. And then people were talking about, you know, Jonathan Quick having a pretty consistent start. I know when we talked about it later on in the season that I think it was Cal's inability to play at the top of his game that was the reason he wasn't seeing a lot of time. I don't think it was Jonathan Quick taking over the position. I just think Cal was not there. And unfortunately, for whatever reason, the consistency has not been there, and Cal has not been the number one guy, obviously. Nick, anything you want to add, or should we just move on to the next question? <laughs> well, yeah, Jim is right, and and obviously we've seen down the stretch here as the Kings try to, to solidify a playoff spot. It has been the veteran Jonathan Quick uh, with six straight starts, which is his longest stretch of the season. And one other thing I'll throw out there is, you know, this is a full 82-game season, and for Cal uh, – Really, he hasn't gone through this. So maybe it's part of his learning process. He has to figure out how to handle a long, grueling NHL schedule. And ultimately, we hope 
uh, figure out how he can be effective for 60, 65 games over the course of a season um, and be on top of his game. All right. So the next question then, uh, and Nick, we'll start with you on this one. The next question was, will Victor Arvidsson have a bounce back offensive season with 20 goals, 28 assists in just 65 games? I think, Nick, it's fair to say that Victor Arvidsson did have a bounce back offensive season. Yeah. And, uh, you know, maybe his numbers weren't uh, what they were a couple of years ago when I think he had uh, then a club record 34 goals for Nashville. But I think the expectations for him, a proven NHL player, uh, you know, 45 to 60 points, 20 to 26, 27 goals. And you mentioned the numbers there, Jesse. He's he's fit right in. He's been among the top six all season long either on the first or the second line. You can argue either way with where he is right now being on the first line with Deneau and Moore. He's seeing some power play time. So, yeah, I, I think you have to be happy if you're the Kings, if you're uh, Todd McClellan, the coach, Rob Blake, the general manager. I think he has given the Kings exactly what they were hoping to get. Jim, this season, 28 assists to go with 20 goals. Uh, just the third time in his career that he's had more assists than goals in a season. Yeah, it's, it does stick out. And Jesse, I, I, your point is well taken. I was just about to say that the way he has played with his line mates has exceeded what I thought. Again, I thought, you know, shoot, shoot, shoot. And we knew that. And we knew he was a buzzsaw, right? Bounce around, move around, dart in and out. We knew that about him, but the way he's been able to fit in and be a big part of chemistry on the Dano line, along with Trevor Moore, that has caught my attention more than anything else. And it has turned into lately some really neat assists where he has, you know, been the shooter and then all of a sudden, you know, drop pass to Dano, wide open net. Fake a shot, backhand pass across, Trevor Moore, wide open net. Those types of plays. But just that unit, it's the question posed earlier. Would he have a bounce back season? To me, it's just like, man, the line that he's on has been so good. Yeah, and I would add there, Jesse and Jim, that the fact that who he's been playing with in the second half, the three of them, the chemistry they have developed, it's helped become it's helped make Trevor Moore a better goal scorer. It's helped make Dano a better goal scorer, and it's helped make Arvidsson a better playmaker because they all play off each other. They make those plays in tight down low and they just, the three of them just seem to, to see the game the same way. And uh, hopefully it continues for a while longer. Now, Nick, I'm going to use, <clears throat> I'm going to use a trivia question to transition us into the next question, because Nick always gives me the night's uh, King's talk trivia question before the game. And this question actually was posed to me by Zach Dooley in the press box a while back. Nick, do you know the last time the Kings added two players in the offseason that then scored 20 goals their first season as L.A. Kings? Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> no, without taking up too much time on this uh, show. <laughs> Jim, any guesses? Uh, boy, yeah, I'm going to um, say probably been a while, right? It has been a while. Yeah, way before my time. <laughs> no, actually, it actually was. A, it, <laughs> it was actually Ziggy Palfi and Brian Smolinski. Yeah, yeah, nice. Um, so there you go. So then the next question was uh, both acquired, by the way, in the same trade. Yes, exactly. A, a dynamic trade, as it turns out. Um, so the question number eight was, how will Philip Deneau impact the offense and defense of the Kings? And Jim, when they first got him, I think the example you gave was if you s score 10, but prevent 30. 
your impact is 40 goals on a team. Um, Phil Deneau has scored way more than 10. Hold on. You're putting words in my mouth because I would never be able to use that that math. There's no way. You know, I thought coming in, I thought I was a Philip Deneau. I thought I knew him like the back of my hand because, again, through NHL radio, I followed him all the way to the final last year. And he was, I mean, Carey Price and then Philip Deneau. That, that's the way it was for me. The, the priority shifts that he took, the face-offs that he won, the defensive responsibility he had. He never really did have much offensive responsibility with the Montreal Canadiens. But I thought I was an expert on Philippe Deneau. He has completely taken it to another stratosphere uh, because the defense has been there, the tenacity has been there, the strength on the puck has been there. I saw that. I knew that. But, again – it's hard for me to talk about Arvidsson. It's hard for me to talk about Deneau. It's hard for me to talk about Moore without talking about all three of them. I've got to group them together. But Deneau has far, far exceeded. He's taken off the pressure off Kopitar, yes. We thought Kopi would get more, more looks at you know the non-checking line type of thing. Or Kopi wouldn't have to be out there for every face-off, which has happened. But <laughs> Deneau is just through the roof. Yeah, he's been uh, my pick for team MVP when the uh, ballots do eventually uh, reach us. Nick, uh, any additional thoughts on Deneau there? Well, when we first signed him, I jokingly said, and I guess I was half serious, the Kings now have the highest paid third line center in the NHL <laughs> yeah. uh, based on his contract and based on his career numbers. Right. I mean, for a guy to make what he's $5 million and change over six years – and he's never scored more than 13 goals in a season, um, you know, are you overpaying for this player? But as it, as it has turned out, uh, for whatever reason, we'll have to find out from the coaching staff at some point here before the playoffs start. Hopefully the Kings are in the playoffs. Looks like they will be. What, what led to putting together Deneau, Moore, and Arvidsson after that Christmas break? But now, and again, going back to what Jim says, sometimes players just – find each other. They had that chemistry. They're averaging a goal a game. The goals have been spread out. All three of them are getting power play time, either on the first or the second unit, which is a testament to their offensive capabilities. So, yeah, I mean, now it's, it's, it, now I can't say that anymore because <laughs> not only is he not a third line center on this hockey club or being paid like a third line center, he's on the number one line. He's centering the number one line. So uh, it's turned out to be a real good investment. And guys, we haven't, we haven't had the chance this year and last year to, to really get to know the guys, right? Because of COVID. We can't be in the locker room with them. We can't chat it up with them. We can ask them questions in one-on-one situations, but you, you don't get to know the person that way. From what we've heard from Todd McClellan and from what I've heard from Rob Blake, it's the attitude too that he brings. You know, I think it would be safe to assume that the core of this the group and the Stanley Cup and, you know, it was kind of a serious group, right? Like a really, you know, nose to the grindstone and just kind of not outgoing with the media. Deneau, from what I've heard, smile on his face every day, comes in the locker room, chatting up with his teammates, smile, smile, smile. And that's created just another, another layer of value that he's brought to the group. I've, I've referenced it a number of times. I will continue to do so. 
<clears throat> the first time that Zach Dooley and I got a chance to talk to Dino when he was brought in, he said to us, culture is supreme. With the right culture, you can beat anyone. And I think we've seen that bear itself out time and time again um, with this Kings team. Next question was, uh, will the core four repeat their strong, pro- strong performances from the 2021 season? And unfortunately, COVID and injuries have made the answer to this one somewhat of a mixed bag. Jim, we'll start with you. Um, how about the performances from the four cup veterans? Another chemistry issue, uh, Dustin Brown. Seems like right now, as we speak, has found a nice little niche there. You know, third line. See a little power play here and there, not not consistently. Uh, you know, it, it's hard to talk about Dustin now because we're uncertain what's going to happen next year. But where he's settling in right now, as we speak, I think he has he's providing, and again, a value. He's providing something that is has been missing from his game. Really, it has been this year. Um, so I, I give them kind of a, you know, strong performance. No, I don't think that's fair. And, you know, I, I can't go that far. But well, I like what I'm seeing now. Uh, so, you know, he's missing time too and then the, the finger and all that stuff. But with Dowdy, you know, incomplete, right? Unfortunate. Early hurt, knee, later on, surgery. And just I don't think there was any question – his offensive numbers might have been right at career highs if it just kept going at the same pace, but it just seemed like he had the same two-way. So I would say, yes, bounce back strong, no question. Kopitar, you know, look at it. I'm just going to leave the team. It's going again. Ho-hum, ho-hum. Yeah, should he shoot the puck more? Yes. Uh, does he slow things down on the power play? Yes. But it just he just he just paints another landscape, you know, just the same thing every single time. It's tough to rate the Kings goaltenders. I really think it is because the Kings play such a tight style. And so then when the goal goes in, it's like, wow, what the heck? Well, I I think he's been fine. I I think he has not been strong is the word that was used in the question. I would say yes. Uh, And man, I'm praying. (laughs) Never. If he can get back to, you know, that Stanley Cup. And we've seen... We've seen little patches of that of late. He gets back there consistently. Yeah, I'm going to have a big, big smile on my face. Mm-hmm. Nick, the phrase I keep hearing used is uh, 2012 vintage era Jonathan Quick. But in 2018, he was pretty good in that first round series against Vegas. They didn't lose because of him. <laughs> yeah, you give up seven goals in four games and don't win a game. And yeah, we've, we've joked since then that arguably he could have been the playoff MVP <laughs> for right. a team that never won a game in the first round. But uh, yeah, I mean, Dowdy incomplete, right? Uh, Jim mentioned his offensive numbers. He was on track to maybe having a career year. Uh, So incomplete there. Uh, Brown, I'm going to say this right now. You know, it's very possible the Kings will be in the playoffs. The the magic number is one as we are doing this interview. But I'm going to predict that when the playoffs begin, the first couple of big hits in the series will be from number 23. And if that's the case, then I don't care what he's done in the regular season. He's 18 years in the NHL, we can't expect him to score 20, 25 goals. And like Jim said, maybe he's found a niche where he can be a, a not, not necessarily productive, but an important piece moving forward. 
Kopitar, Jim's right. He's Kopitar. You look at the numbers. How can you argue with a guy who's led the franchise in scoring for 14 seasons? A lot of miles on his body. Uh, he's slowing down. There's no question about it. I saw We saw it last year with the condensed schedule, the final 15, 20 games. His numbers fell down. He just didn't look like he was on top of his game. And I could say, in my estimation, I've seen the same thing down the stretch here with Andre. But again, the playoffs revitalize a lot of guys. And um, I, I'm confident he'll be an effective player in the playoffs. But as far as expectations, you know, because of his 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 age, because of the mileage on uh, on his body, uh, no, not not the Kopitar we've seen in the past, but still a, a very good um, all around center. One of the, still one of the finer all around centers in the NHL. Hey guys, the way the way I would look at it here is who can raise their game the most the rest of the way between the four guys we talked about. Of course, Dowdy's thrown out, and it might be Dustin Brown. He might be again if he can just keep. Chipping away at that new line that he has, and just it seems like now that he's arriving on time. He, you know, he's around the puck a lot more. He's getting more touches on the puck. He's getting more valuable touches in the offensive zone. So you know, you know, hopefully yeah, in his game. Yeah, and maybe the time he had off recently benefits him. He he got refreshed. He got revitalized. His his body could heal. He's fresher, and maybe that carries over into the playoffs. He'll have what probably seven, eight games under his belt since the injury once the playoffs start. Next question uh, is uh, probably a bit of a third rail in the realm of Kings fan conversations. And that one is, will the power play provide consistent offense? Now I've heard two versions of this argument. One is they get more power play opportunities than most other teams. They generate more chances uh, on the power play than a lot of other teams, but they don't necessarily capitalize on those chances. So I guess it's, you know, what's better to get the chances or to, or to capitalize on fewer chances. I, I, I don't know, Jim, any thoughts on the, on the power play? Well, I, I don't, I wouldn't go as far as you did there and your numbers okay. may tell you that you may have some internal numbers that I haven't seen analytics. Uh, I look at them every once in a while. Uh, I would say that, uh, it's, it's surprising because throughout his career, Todd McClellan has been involved on teams. And as an assistant, he was directly responsible for very successful power plays. So, and I know the people are all over, you know, uh, Marco and all this. Well, you watch practices. Yes, I do. Todd's running the power play. I mean, he, he he's out there. You know, he's, he's the guy at least – on the ice, maybe in internally video before the, you know, that might be a whole different thing, but so uh, I'm just, they're too, they are too slow moving the puck. They've identified that. They know what the issue is. It's tough to teach old dogs, new tricks. And that's the situation they're in. And that, ha that will change. If it doesn't change this year, it will change next year. It has to, because the chances, if you're if you're seeing some, I'm not seeing enough of the timeliness. Recent game, Kings win, Anaheim, five on three, nothing dangerous. I saw nothing dangerous in a five on three with ample time, and that's concerning. Having said that, going into the playoffs, I like the position the Kings. I hate going into the playoffs with a top five power play. 
because there's only one way it can go down. <laughs> I think with the Kings power play, there's only one way it can go, and that's up. I mean, I hope that's true. <laughs> I, it's interesting, Jesse, because in the last couple of Kings talks, uh, a number of callers have talked about the power play. And, you know, we can we can talk about this, talk about that. But at the end of the conversation, I just said, hey, they need different types of players out there on the power play. The Kings don't have a, a threesome like Colorado does with McKinnon, Rantanen, and Cal McCarr. They don't have a threesome like Tampa Bay has with Kucherov, Stamkos, and Hedman. I mean, it's, it's a talent issue. Uh, it's a mindset. But the bottom line is, when you're looking at the Kings power play that hasn't been a real good power play for a number of years, hey, you just need better players to execute and move the puck quicker like all the good power plays do now in the NHL. We saw recently, guys, we saw it. And I know they've been working on it, and this is no secret. Uh, there was a goal scored by Deneau on a power play a couple of games back, as we speak now. And it was with Andre Kopitar starting that power play on the left side, not with his butt on the boards on the right side and holding the puck and you know waiting for that perfect pass. And so you're, I'm seeing that they want to, like Nick's talking about personnel, but it's just where they're slotting in. So I think they're, they're working on ways to make sure the puck is moved quicker. Uh, but if it doesn't change this year, I, I, I'm, it's going personnel will change next year. Yeah, right now, right now you can't add a Cal yeah. McCarr. You can't add a McKinnon. You, you're stuck with what you had, and like Jim says, you're trying to tweak it. You're trying to get the most out of it, the best out of it, and that's really the only option the coaches have at this point. Yeah, the the place I've reached finally is the things that make this team good are also the things that cause them to struggle. Um, their strengths are their weaknesses in my mind. And, and I, I see that in the power play. I don't know if, if it's true, but that's my uh, takeaway from it. The next question, I think we're going to kind of skip over because the question at the time was what will the recovery process look like for Quentin Byfield? Because at the time we recorded it, he had just been injured and we didn't know when he'd be back. Um, now he has been back and looks particularly good, at least over the last six periods, as Todd McClellan said, uh, the other night, Jim, are, are you enjoying well, what you're seeing from Quentin Byfield? Um, what I am seeing for the most part, and the Kings needed this, you know, the cycle when he was with, uh, you know, when he was with Kupari and when he was with Rolardi, the cycles were there, the possession was there, but there was nothing inside, nothing on the inside, couldn't get the puck to a dangerous area. But at the time, the Kings just needed some offensive zone time. They just need to take pressure off their, their defense that was hurt. What I'm seeing now, and again, I'm, I'm going to go back to a recent game, uh, that we, the Anaheim game at home, the pass he makes to Kaliev. What I've seen from Byfield is a skilled player, quick feet, quick hands, but going a million miles an hour every time he's on the ice. When he made that pass to Kaliev, the game slowed down for him. And that will be huge. I can, I can speak to it for my, myself. I mean, I wasn't a second overall pick, but I was an offensive player. And from my first year to my second year, the game slowed down. It really did. And now I was seeing things. The timing was there. So I know it's only one play, but... 
I like that he didn't just shoot that puck. Oh, get it off my stick, get it off. No. Or, you know, we've seen him, you know, he gets over the line, he's making all these stick handles, and that's great. That will work later on as a, as a different part of his game. It's slowing down, and I like it. Yeah, and, and just to play off what Jim was talking about, um, an increase and in uptick in his physical play because they have spent a lot of shifts in the offensive zone, whether he's been with the line mates he was the last couple of games, uh, uh, Grunstrom and Kaliev, or with Kapari. Uh, so ozone time there, he, he, you know, no problem with the skating. I mean, we've all sensed that from the first time we saw him. And just to add what Jim is saying and slowing down the game. And Jim, I want you to respond to this. I watch games and when good players make plays, one pass that they can make, and this is slowing the game down, a pass between the opponent's stick and his skate so it doesn't get blocked. If you try and rush those plays, and I think the tendency for young players is to try and make that play maybe a split second too early when it's not there, wait a tick, and then see where the opening is and take advantage of it. I think that is going to come. For me, what I'm looking for from Quinton Byfield now is making more plays. And I think that's part of his uh, maturity. Um, he's only 19. We keep forgetting about it. he's two years pro and he's still only 19. But if that comes, then it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, that's why I made the comparison my first year to second year, because I think that will happen for Quentin next year. I don't think it's fair to call this his second. You know, no, yeah, he still hasn't yeah. even played enough games, you know, to really qualify as a as a year. Nick, what I would say there is this highly skilled offensive players. They feel the play. They don't see it when they make that pass between the skating sticks. They don't see the opening. They feel the body position of the defender. When you don't have to look for it anymore, that is when you start being more successful. And I think that just comes from a little confidence. I think, you know, Quentin's trying to, that's fine. He's trying to prove that he has all the skill and he's, he has abundant skill. But now, again, it's only one play. But man, when he made that just, oh, it's on my stick, slide it across that. Now he's seeing the game. He's seeing the position of the goaltender. He's feeling where that goaltender is. And instead of seeing that, you know, big stolars it was against and big shoulders and big, he just read, okay, I'm going to slide it over here. No look over to Kaliev. And that, so that, if he can keep building on that, I think he, he comes to a point where you don't need to see it. You just feel it and you're that much better. Jim, I asked Byfield about that goal in the post game. I asked him when he saw Arthur Kaliev open. And the way he described the play, you would have thought he had three or four seconds to make it. And then I went back and watched the replay, and it was half a second. Um, right. and, and he had that entire thought process. The next question was, will the defense provide more offense? Uh, the answer, clearly no. But I'm going to amend it here for, this, for the purpose of this <laughs> conversation because I was looking at it earlier today. I think the Kings have skated 14 defensemen this year, Nick. Um, yeah. Given all of the injuries to the blue line, I, I think you have to be impressed with what they've been able to do get with the players called up. Yeah, very much so. I mean, here, here the Kings are going down the stretch the last couple of nights with three rookie defensemen. I mean, that's unheard of uh, for a team battling for a playoff spot. Uh, Spence, Dursey, and of course, uh, Moverara. And, you know, 
if, if the Kings aren't injured on the blue line like they have all year, we don't have any idea at this point what Jersey and Spence can do at the NHL level and Moverara for that, for that uh, purpose as well. But um, yeah, I mean, Spence and Jersey uh, almost kind of cut from the same cloth. I mean, good offensive capabilities, playmaking abilities. They seem to see the ice well. Uh, and, and like Todd has told us many times, since the two of them have played, you know, he's telling them, go out and play your game. Don't worry about making a mistake. And they'll make mistakes. Everybody does, but they seem to bounce back. And and I think that's why uh, they stay in the lineup at, at such a young age. I mean, again, Jersey's first taste of the NHL this year, and Spence is a first-year pro. And, and neither one is playing like they're a rookie right now. So, uh, yeah, a bit deceiving. You look at the numbers compared with other teams in the NHL. Yeah, the Kings as a group don't have a lot of goals from the defense. But, you know, I, I'd like to know at some of the analytics the last, let's say, two months uh, since they've had Dursey and Spence back there. Uh, I, I would kind of venture to say they're probably pretty good or better than people would expect. Jim, if I told you at the start of the season that we'd get 39 games from Drew Doughty, we'd be missing Mikey Anderson, Matt Roy, Sean Walker, Alex Edler for long stretches, um, and that with two games left in the season, the the Kings controlled their own destiny and would have the strong defensive numbers that they have. Would you? I mean, would you have believed me? Well, yes, no question. I would have believed you because you know <laughs> I do a lot of in-depth research with the sure. Ontario Lane and sure. understand all of their players and uh, what's going on. I let's just take a look at it this way: if the Kings didn't have all these injuries, would they be in the position they are in now? <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. One thing I do know: Ontario would be in first place in the yeah. American Hockey League. Yeah. And I know they've had a real good year, but um, I think the Kings have raided their coffers a little bit too much there. <laughs> Yeah. Um, you know, and you got Clark on the way. The, you know, that prototypical modern day small mobile NHL defenseman, the Kings have a plethora of them right now. And uh, that'll be interesting looking going forward. You, you touched on a guy, and I'm just throwing it in there Alexander Edler. He's, I'm looking right now, he's played 40 games. He brings a lot of value too, doesn't he? I mean, he brings a lot of value. He just brings the shutdown. But with the puck in the Kings system, he's been more effective than I thought he would be as far as just that five-foot, ten-foot pass, that first pass, get the guys going, get the puck into the hands of the forward. So, But, yeah, the young defenseman, still a long way to go. But, man, oh, man, have they done the job. That that's That is incredible. And, I know we've talked about it amongst ourselves here, but if the Kings do get in the playoffs, you know, Todd McClellan has to be considered for coach of the year. You know, Trent Yanni, assistant of the year, if they're, you know, <laughs> working with a group of defense like that, because, you know, Kings were a bubble team coming in. They get decimated personnel wise and they find themselves with a chance. So yeah. that's, that's impressive structure. Yeah, and I know that, Jesse, I know you're aware, but the, the NHL broadcasters vote for the Jack Adams for Coach of the Year, and there's no question in my mind Todd's got one of my three votes. Now, whether or not it's the first, second, or third place vote, but he's going to be no question if they make the playoffs, no question. Even if they, by some weird 
Quirk in the next few days don't get in, he's still going to get my strong consideration. Well, if if they do, well, if things go well, I will say this way. I can tell you where he's going to be on my slot. <laughs> I don't, uh, the media doesn't get to vote on executive of the year, right? That's other executives? Correct. Okay, so then you can't vote for Rob Blake because I think he deserves uh, tremendous consideration as well. The three pickups, right? Yeah. The three pickups. And then, of course, to restock the cupboard that the Kings had to reach into so many times this year. I mean, we talked about Trevor Moore and Sean Dersey in this episode, and those are two guys that, you know, acquired from outside of the organization. Um, I, I hate, I hate to, I mean, just, I hate, like, the one game at a time thing is slapping me right across the face right now because. I, I get a sick feeling in my stomach and my chest when I start talking about not done yet. So no, they're not. I mean, to As be clear, speak. to be As clear, they're not speak. two games left on the schedule. Uh, yes. Things could go horrifically, horrifically wrong. Um, we're going to sort of piggyback off of the conversation about all of the defensive uh, rookies. Uh, Cause the next question was how many games will be played by prospects and rookies. And certainly guys like Jordan Spence, even Jordan Spence said at the start of the season, he didn't expect to necessarily make the rain, much less the Kings. He was told at the start of the year that he'd be splitting time with Helgi Granz. And here he is a mainstay on the Kings blue line. Um, but Arthur Kaliev also, I think not necessarily expected to play a big role going into the season, but injuries in training camp, uh, we've seen Rasmus Kupari, we've seen Samuel Fogamo, we've seen Alex Turcott, um, Gabriel Velarde, Leish Anderson, Jared Anderson Dolan, Sean Durst. I mean, way more young players, Nick, than I think I ever expected to see this season. Yeah, and and obviously the injuries uh, are a big reason for it. And, you know, the silver lining in situations like this for any team is now you've got a good book on what you have and where they are in their development. And you know, we hang out in the press room before games, uh, not only at home, but on the road. And we see and talk to scouts. And and the one name that comes up with some of the scouts I've talked to is Jordan Spence and how impressed they are with him at this stage of his career. Again, first year pro. So, OK, now maybe they'll go back to their organizations and they'll tell their GMs, hey, maybe he's a guy you can pry away. So, okay, if you need a forward who can score 25, 30 goals who's been in the league, maybe he's part of a deal to get him. I'm not saying you trade Jordan Spence, but this is, this is what you get when you're able to play all these kids, not necessarily because you want to, but because you have to. So there's always a positive you can get out of these situations. And, and, I, and I think, you know, and we've talked about this amongst uh, ourselves, you know, we're all waiting for one of these young forwards. We hope it's a byfield. We hope it's really anybody the Kings have drafted as a forward the last few years to wow us at the NHL level. But you could make the argument that who is wowing us now are the young defensemen that are coming up and pinch hitting for, for the injured players. I can talk about, if I can't, just Arthur Kalia. There's a parallel between what I was talking about with byfield. I think Arthur, when I saw him at the beginning of the year, he was, the puck was going north, he was going south. I mean, he just, and he has not improved his skating. Now he is sensing, he is anticipating, he is part of the flow and tempo of a game. To the point sometimes this year where I've seen him enter the offensive zone and buy his, himself his own space because he has enough speed to back off the defender. 
When I saw him the first five games of the year, I said, no chance. Meaning, I knew, I knew he would develop, but I thought it would take him a year or two. Man, he's done it in two months. It's going to be a, a fascinating offseason um, with all of those young players now either fighting for spots or if they do go outside the organization. But that's a whole other conversation. We'll get to that. We'll get to the offseason when it comes. It's not here yet. Uh, Jim, the next question, and I actually think for, for my money, and this is why I included it in the original conversation, this was going to be the biggest contributing factor to how the Kings season would play out. And that is how did the rest of the Pacific division perform? And it has been, uh, especially compared to the other three divisions, a particularly tumultuous season for the Pacific division. Well, you know, I thought Calgary would get on track and I thought they would do it. I thought they'd have the first place. I thought Edmonton would go through some struggles, you know, and the power play would carry them early. Then they would drop off and they would have some struggles. I thought they'd have to change their coach a little bit. Sure, sure. To make sure they get where they are. Mm-hmm. And Vegas, you can kind of see them. You know, yeah. Man, I, you know, I thought it was going to be Vegas, and I thought it was going to be Calgary, and I thought it was going to be Edmonton. And then, you know, wild card, right? You're fighting for a wild card, which we thought the Kings were. They were right there. And as we speak, still things to be decided. And and the reason I talk that way is not to say that things are going to fall apart. No, I think things are going to go fine. I just I just take that. That's just, you know. But I know the role I'm in now. I I have to. <laughs> I have to look forward and I have to make somewhat of like a prediction or, or a statement like that. But uh, I just feel uncomfortable doing it. It's no Vancouver, man, what a run they went on. Just crazy. Uh, Anaheim, San Jose. I think a lot of people expected them to be where they are uh, and they expected the Kings to be with them, fighting it out with them for those wildcard positions. Uh, I know someone on this, uh, on this panel right now, thought that Seattle was going to win the Stanley Cup. And, uh, you know, so that's, uh, it's just, it's just very, very interesting. And the Kings record against the West, the Kings record in the Pacific, not necessarily that good, so to speak, but uh, just glad that other teams have, uh, have struggled. That's all. And the Kings do have two more chances to improve that record against the division with games against uh, Seattle and Vancouver left on the schedule. Nick, two coaching changes, injuries. I mean, I think I wish I had the number pulled up in front of me, but I read somewhere that the Pacific division had the most man games lost to injury, but the Calgary has the least, uh, the fewest, I should say, in the league. Um, Ridiculous season out of Calgary. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and they've got arguably the best line in the NHL going right now, right? The top three forwards are all one, two, three, and plus minus, and they're all going to be around 100 points. Well, Goudreau already has 100 points, and I think Kachuk is there as well. Lindholm would be the third member of that line. But yeah, I think going back to when we had this discussion at the start of the year, I thought Vegas, uh, Calgary, and Edmonton. And then, as Jim said, uh, the bubble teams, uh, I wasn't particularly... Uh, sold on Seattle just because of what Vegas did in their first year because expansion teams don't win a lot, right? And uh, I think that was an aberration with with Vegas and good for Vegas. I mean, it was great for their market at the time. Uh, and and the Kings and Vegas are the two teams that have been really uh, hit hard by, by injuries. And Vegas has another issue they've been dealing with, which I think comes into play, and that's the cap issue. And I think that has effective uh, that has affected uh, lineups that they want to um, 
put out there on a nightly basis based on what they can put out there. So, yeah, but all being said, uh, yeah, I, I think L.A. is the, the surprise team in the divisions, the surprise team in the conference, given all of the items we've talked about on this interview, the injuries, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And that sort of perfectly brings us to our final question. And it's a, a point, Jim, that you uh, raised a number of times whenever the team struggled or things were looking bleak or there was ever any reason to be concerned about the performance of the team. And that question is, will the LA Kings be an improved team this season? And I mean, at this point, there just isn't any debate. Yeah, they are massively improved. And, and one little thing, uh, Jess, you touched on it earlier, or, or maybe Nick did. Drawing penalties. Yeah. That to me is an indication of team tempo. I'm not going to say team speed because again, sometimes your 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 foot speed doesn't become effective because within the tempo and the way your team moves the puck, it's not as effective as it can be. The Kings have found ways now to make the other team chase them. And but I always felt that this year was still a development year. And I still do. And of course, with the young defensemen that have come up, that's, you know, fits right into that. But I think we saw what happened. What, about 10 games from the end of the season, development ended completely. You know, Velarde was taken out of the lineup. Byfield was taken out of the lineup. Kupari was taken out of the lineup there from, you know, Byfield back in. And I think they said, okay, now we're, we've balanced the compete for a playoff spot with development of our young players, but now it's time to go for that spot. And, uh, you know, a lot of times their, their play was determined by injury, but yes, improved. I think that that another area of improvement has been, and I know I look at the analytics and these numbers don't jump out at you, but compared to past teams, transition, check for your chances. The Kings used to check and not get any chances. Now they're checking and quickly that puck has moved up. Quickly you're on attack. Quickly you're entering the offensive zone. And I think that's been a big, big thing. You know, they want to be more aggressive right on the forecheck. That was the, that was the key phrase in, in training camp. I think they have been okay there. I don't think they've been crazy. But uh, to me, drawing penalties and transition game, I think that those are two areas where I look and go, you know what? Instead of the Kings worrying about the other team all night, the other team has to worry about the Kings too. Yeah, and, and Nick, just, I'm gonna sorry, I'm gonna jump in real quick, Nick, because um, I want to follow up on Jim's point there. Uh, power play opportunities on the season, total power play opportunities. Colorado at number one with 264, Florida at number two with 250, and your LA Kings at number three with 243. How, how do you fit in there? Like, how do you no. how? Are the Kings on par with Colorado and Florida? No. And the Kings are known for defense. Yeah. But they're finding a way. So this, this that sprinkling of, you know, and if they could, you know, if Andreas Athanasiu could ever find that consistency, whatever that is, you know, whether it's mental preparation, whether it's understanding your role, I mean, he's jumped back here into these games and he has been a factor. And then again, and, late in the third period, there guys last against Anaheim. He he throws a body check. He looked like a torpedo. I mean, he was just come like full. I'm going. This is that is impacting the game. And 
Yeah. I think that's just another element of the team speed, which makes you tough to handle. Just to add to, to what Jim was touching on, and with Athanasio, I go back two games ago, the Chicago game, first three Chicago penalties yeah. were all taken on Andreas Athanasio. So that does a number of things early in a game, right? Prevents Chicago from getting momentum. And then Athanasio gets the breakaway goal later on. The other thing would be, and, and Todd McClellan told this to us in a meeting uh, maybe a month ago, uh, you know, the whole um, mantra around the Kings the last couple of years with all the young talent they have drafted was we want to be faster, we want to be quicker, uh, skill level, things like that. Well, for some, and with all the injuries, you had to tweak things. And Todd, I remember he said it, we're going back to what is in the DNA of his team. And that's a checking team uh, led by the Kopitars, the Browns, Dowdy when he's healthy. This is what got them the success in the playoffs back in 2012, 13, and 14. So when you're coaching, you, 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 you don't acquire the players you want. Your GM does that. The coach has to figure out the best way to play with what he has. And I think the coaching staff for the Kings over the last month, month and a half, has tweaked things to, to bring the best out of what they have right now and give them credit. The adjustments I think they've made, more of a checking mindset, it's working. So there you have it. Those are the uh, those were the ten biggest storylines the facing the Kings at the beginning of this season. We are not yet at the end of this season. Two games remain on the schedule. Kings still need to uh, collect two more points in order to clinch a playoff spot. Nick Nixon, thank you so much for joining me. My pleasure, Jesse. Or Vegas loses two points. I'm just I'm yeah. gonna I was throwing Jim a superstitious <laughs> bone there and not even gonna allow for the possibility that destiny does not lie uh, exclusively within the hands of the LA Kings. <laughs> just the, the next game is in Seattle. Yep, that's right. All I know. All I know. <laughs> exactly. One game at a time. Jim Fox, thank you again. Pleasure, pleasure. Go All King. Right. And uh, hopefully we will talk to you guys soon. We're talking about this line late on Thursday. Just wanna put more positive shifts together for this group. Spikefield swings it around the boards. Couldn't be cleared by Comtois. Shot saved. Stoller. Rebound. Seven. And they score. What a save.